Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by D. Anthony Miles. He's an entrepreneur, an award-winning researcher, award-winning professor, a statistician, a legal expert witness, and he's a best-selling author. Dr. Miles is a nationally known expert in the fields of entrepreneurship and marketing. He is a startup and marketing expert. He's been featured on Forbes, NBC News, Fox News, CBS News, The Debbie Negro Show, Money Matters with Chris Hensley, The Earl Cobb Show, The Michael Dresser Show, and numerous others. He is CEO and founder of Miles Develop Industries Corporation, a consulting practice and venture capital firm. He is also host and executive producer of Game on Business Talk radio show. He was also visiting university professor when he was invited to Harvard by the Harvard Business School, which is kind of nice. <laughs> and I asked him here to join us today so we can all understand how to market and grow our businesses like a startup does, no matter how long we've been in business for. So Anthony, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Daryl? Really appreciate being here. I know. I'm looking forward to catching up with you again. Our first conversation was really good, and I know you've got a lot to speak about, and just your own story itself is really fascinating, so I'm kind of excited for this call. Um, so obviously, people have heard what you've accomplished and where you are now, but how did you even get started? I mean, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? What were you doing before you came into this? Kind of. My grandfather was more an entrepreneur than my father was. My father always preached about going and hustling. Hmm. My dad was a uh, principal or assistant principal. And my grandfather actually played pro baseball and he owned a gas station. Hmm. I didn't know that. And he, uh, from that, he used to do photography. In some ways, that inspired me to be an entrepreneur because what my grandfather kind of taught me and, and me getting this through my dad was there are opportunities all around you and you shouldn't wait for somebody to come up to you and say, hey, Hey, I'm an opportunity. Do you want me? Life doesn't work like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the prosperous always win when they take initiative. Right. The early bird gets the worm. There you go. I read another quote like that. It was like, most men are like lobsters sitting on the rocks, waiting for opportunity to come to them, like the tide coming in. Uh -huh. And if they could just move a few feet, they have the whole ocean at their disposal. Absolutely. I totally, totally like that one. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, all right. So that's how you got started. So where did you get your first like footing, with, like real footing in entrepreneurship? I got a compelling story. I actually, I used to work for the bank. I'm going to tell you what bank I used to work for. <laughs> but anyway. I got downsized when my second daughter was born. They eliminated my job and I got very, very scared and I got very, very angry. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that inspired me to pursue entrepreneurship as an alternative economic sustainability for yourself is do not ever let anybody tell you that you don't have a job anymore. Mm. And I think all of us get our wake up calls at certain ages in our life. And that happened to me when I was 36, 37 years old. Right. It was a difficult time. My second daughter was just born. 
born. Wow. And you have to understand, and I think I said this in some other interviews, a job is like having one client. That one client supplies all of your money. And then when that client no longer needs you, which what a job is, they cut you loose because what is human resources? Right. Human resources is human capital that you can downsize, cut, and get rid of. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called human resources. Mm-hmm. And as we move into the digital economy, people are being downsized because now we're in an information society. We're coming out of an industrial revolution. And because of that, the name of the game is information. Mm-hmm. And now that you have information or the economy is based on information, well, that affects human labor. And so people are no longer considered a resource, a strong resource when you can put everything on a computer. Right. So a lot of legacy industries have been affected, like the banking industry where in which I work. I would be extremely scared to work in a bank if I was a kid graduating from high school, I mean, not high school, college. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Those jobs have all gone away. They put everything on the internet. And that's a scary reality that we have to deal with. You're going to have to figure out what you're good at. Mm. And sometimes, you know, you have to look at school Use school as an apprenticeship. Learn the things that you need to learn for your business. When you graduate from school, you shouldn't be graduating looking for a job. You should be graduating to create a job and dominate an industry. Mm, mm. We've been all lied to, Daryl. Yep. School does not prepare. I'm talking about colleges and universities. Colleges and universities do not prepare you to be an entrepreneur. Nope. They prepare you to be an employee. That's correct. That is the purpose of school. Yep. School is to prepare you for the workforce. Yep. Like I had a, you got to hear this story, Daryl. When I was graduating, I was finishing up my doctor work because I know I to start my own consulting practice. So my professor, he was my advisor as well. He called me in the office. He goes, okay, well, what do you want to do when you get out of school? Or will you finish graduating? What do you want to do after this? I said, I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> he got all serious. He looked at me. He looked at me like, no, seriously. <laughs> I said, I want to be a millionaire. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> he looked at me like that was not attainable. Like God must can't be serious. And I didn't get upset with him, but it showed me something, Daryl. Hmm. What it showed me was he's caught in that old paradigm. Mm-hmm. You get a job when you graduate from school, you retire 20, 30 years, you live off your retirement, then you die. What is wrong with that picture? Okay, that paradigm well, it doesn't work. It's not the same anymore. It doesn't work no, anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't exist for most people. It does not exist. You're going to change jobs, your career at least five or six times. Yep. Okay, that's not including being downsized. That's not including being frustrated about your firm that you're not moving around in a company. Yep. So people are more transient and people more mobile today, and people are not staying with companies twenty and thirty years and retiring. Yep. Yep. That's based on the industrial revolution mentality. Yep. If I just do a good enough job. Uh, just stay out of trouble and hang around. I'll get a, a pension and mm-hmm. life will be great. Those days are over. Yeah, they're over. They are so over. In the Industrial Revolution, technology created more jobs. In a sense, it did. Yeah. Right? We developed tools and all of a sudden now we have factories and we've got all these processes. But now technology is eliminating jobs. Mm-hmm. When we get self-driving cars on the road, cab drivers, transport truck drivers, bus drivers, train drivers, like pick an industry. Same thing now. Project management's being outsourced to online tools and programs. Uh-huh. So now you could have a company of 20 people doing the work of what would be 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 people years ago. Hit her right on the head. And I don't know if I'm a little older than you. I'm in my 50s. Right. And I grew up in the 80s, 70s and the 80s. Right. I remember when middle management started declining. You didn't need middle management anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you need a bunch of managers managing people when you can centralize your operations and not have all of those employees? Right. The name of the game now is to stream 
streamline your resources and streamline your labor. Mm-hmm. I'd rather outsource than hire an employee because an employee is like a bad check. He keeps coming back. I got to pay the guy raises. Yep. I got to take care of his family with insurances. Yep. Well, employers, they don't want to take that car payment on today. They, it's, it's a different ball game. Yep. If you're too educated or you're an older employee, well, now they have age discrimination and it's hard to approve. Yep. If I want to know how old you are, you apply for a job. You know what I do, Daryl? This is an old trick. Hmm, just go on social media now. <laughs> yeah, I can go to social media now. Or I could ask you what year you graduated from high school. Uh... I say put all the diplomas that you have, include your college degrees. Yep. First thing, if I want to do a age discrimination without being uh, charged. I said, okay, what year did you you get your high school diploma? Well, I got it in 1985. You're over 40 years old. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really bad now. It's really bad. Well, that sort of discrimination is prevalent and they put in rules and policies to try to prevent it. But the reality is, is if someone tries to tell you what kind of shoe you can buy, Mm -hmm. are you going to listen or you're going to try and buy the shoe that you want that you can afford? That's the way it is. That's the name of the game. And no way am I trying to put anyone down or anything like that but that's the difference in point of view when you're an employee you're you know you want to get as much as you can and when you're an employer you want to pay as little as you can because exactly that's money out of your pocket so that's an excellent point in economics they call that equilibrium mm-hmm. where like in terms of uh sales customers want to pay as little as possible yep. the uh seller wants to maximize and have you pay as high as possible so when they meet in the middle that's what they agree upon and it's the same thing with employers yeah. employers they rather hire 10 people and pay them 15 grand a year instead of hiring you paying you 40 or 50 because they can save money and it's getting to be a national crisis in our company because you can continue to hire like that but you're missing a key value the value is wisdom and experience Mm. now how much are you willing to pay for that wisdom and experience right so it's a new ball game and if you're a young guy young guy don't like to hire old guys young guys want to hire guys like him Mm -hmm. older guys want to hire older guys so we're dealing with that we're dealing with all paradigm. Yep. It's not so much what you know, it's who you know and what you bring to the table. Absolutely. Mm, mm. So well said. Yep. So well said. So what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced in your business career in general? Well, when I started, I tell you, this is a cautionary tale for most people who want to start their own business. We have to de-employer ourselves or de-employ ourselves rather. Mm-hmm. Because most people, and I feel practice to this, most people when they start their own business, they try to do what they did when they were working for a company. Why is that a mistake? Because remember, your boss started a business or the company that you work for started a business when there were hardly any competitors. So when you're working for that company, you had a function in a company, whether it's invoicing or whatever. So when you try to start a business doing invoicing, you're going to fall flat on your face because that's not an industry. That's not an emerging industry and that's not a competitive industry. So the mistake that I made, you know, when I was on my journey is I deal with every other person that does and they get downsized. I tried to find a job and doing what I already was doing before. Well, that didn't happen. Mm. So I tried to start a business based on what I did when I used to work at the bank. That didn't work. So I know it's really hard when you're looking for a job. It's hard for you. I'm not looking for a job, but starting a business because you're scared all the time. Mm-hmm. You have inherent fear about, I got to pay these bills. I got to pay my car payment. I got this house. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yep. So what you have to do is you have to be strategic in your thinking. You have to look for opportunities. Yep. You have to literally step outside of the way you've been taught and say, okay, how can I take what I learned at this job or where I used to work and turn that into an 
economic opportunity for myself. Right. Consulting is good for that. There are certain industries that favor entrepreneurship or non-employee type of work. And there's some industries or jobs or ventures that do not. Right. And a lot of times, because we're in an industrial revolution or coming out of it, we don't have manufacturing anymore. So if you worked in a, say, services industry, it's really hard to pivot that into a business venture. So you're going to have to probably start from zero, which scares a lot of people. Yep. And that's what happened to me. Now, a good tip for anyone, if they feel that they're in this situation or know someone that's in that situation, is to remember the rule of 10,000. And that's to take whatever it was that you were doing and try to think in terms of how could I do that for 10,000 people? Mm-hmm. Not how do I go get a new job? Mm-hmm. How would I go get 10,000 jobs doing what I used to do? How would I do that for 10,000 people? Now you've got something that may have potential. If you can get a minimum viable product or service up, and at least do some testing. But that's a good way to, to get you out of that employee mindset. Excellent point. Like I do invoicing for this company. How would I do invoicing for 10,000 companies at the same time? How would I take 10,000 orders? How would I handle 10,000 refund requests? Now you're thinking in terms of something that you can do and provide to a large group of people, which is all a business is. All a business is is a group of people solving the problem for another group of people. That's all it is. You hit it right on the head. I want to piggyback on what you just said. There's two other things too. You have to know something that somebody else doesn't know and they got to pay you for it. Mm. You know who said, mm. that? said that? Aristotle Onassis said that. Really? Yeah, he sure did. He said the key is to know something and that nobody else knows and they were willing to pay you for your knowledge. Okay. Mm. And the other one is people that make money know how to solve problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you want to start a business, all businesses are built on problem solving. That's right. Case in point, you got I think I gave this example before. You see a bunch of people in a new subdivision, right? Mm-hmm. They most likely don't have a yard, man, because they're new subdivisions, right? Mm-hmm. So what should you do? You go print up some business cards, go give me a card that says, hi, I'm a new guy in town. I handle yards for another subdivision, and I like to pick you up as a client. I will take care of your yard. That's right. I take cash or check. I even do my phone. I use my phone to take credit card payments. When, when can I get started? Right. How can you turn a guy like that down, okay? Right, right. And if the guy's not even thinking, about it, he's going to think about it because you approached him with a solution to his problem. That's right. People don't like to cut grass. Right. They rather hire a yard man. Yep. And it helps if you know the second time the car doesn't start for your prospect. Absolutely. That's when we say the first time the car doesn't start, or like this guy with the yard, the first time he has a yard problem, like, ah, that's annoying, right? You get in your car, you try to turn it over, not turn it over, you get concerned. You jiggle the key, you pump the gas, whatever, mm-hmm. and suddenly it kicks up. You're like, oh, okay, phew, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And you keep going. But the second time that problem happens, that's when you're like, I need to get some help. And that's exactly what will happen there. You might go and ask this guy and make your offer and he might not be interested. But then when the second time or the third time his car doesn't start or he's having a lawn problem, uh-huh. right, in this scenario, that's when he's going to pick up your info and give you a call. Excellent point. And the thing about people, I know this and I'm speaking from experience. When you're an employee, you don't look for opportunities because you get complacent. Right. But when you're an entrepreneur, you always got to be looking at opportunities. Right. Always look for opportunities. And when you look for opportunities, you will find Yep. It's not about starting a business and go, I want to make money. No, that's the wrong mindset. The mindset is to be, I see an opportunity. What is it going to take me to put something together and go seize that opportunity and make a million dollars? That's right. See, they don't teach us that in school. No. They teach you to be an employee. Yep. I didn't figure this out, Daryl, till what? <laughs> till after I got my bachelor's and master's degree? Mm-hmm. That's when it finally hit me. Life is not fair. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get passed over for a promotion. It's always going to be somebody that's well-liked more than you. You might 
might as well start your own business and go out there and slay those dragons. Or just even treat yourself as a business. I mean, when people are like, yeah, but it's so much work, in my head I think you don't wake up every day and get dressed to go to work. Even if you have a full-time job, you're putting in the same amount of time and energy. At least with a, with a job, when you leave a job, you just get a handshake. And you, maybe, if you're lucky, a severance package. But like you mentioned, that's really slim these days. Oh, yeah. If you have a business, you have something that you can sell for multiples of what you did per year. Even if you never like successfully grow it into something big and you end up just having a little like a nice little job for yourself making what you would probably make anyways as an employee as a company you know and you figure out how to build a team and you got people around you and so you've managed to get some sort of work-life balance when you go to quit there are things you can do to make your business sellable that then you could sell it for a couple years worth of income absolutely i mean it's just a no-brainer for just approaching the same situation with a different perspective absolutely you gonna make me start a therapy practice so i could detox employees <laughs> <laughs> right? Literally, because it's, it's a really sad state of affairs when people say, you know, you ever see people go, okay, tell me what you do. I says, well, I own two businesses. I have a multi-million dollar consulting practice. You start getting the F Hutton thing. Everybody gets quiet when they're talking to you. <laughs> and if you notice that most entrepreneurs have a positive attitude, mm-hmm. they love what they do. And it's the love of the art. And a lot of people, when you ask them what they do at their job, unless they really, really like it, most people don't like what they do on their jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I maybe I'm selfish like you, Daryl. I can't see being somewhere paying bills and I'm at a job I hate. And it's like, I don't see any other outcome for my life than that. Right. That just seems wrong to me. I couldn't just sit in that for long. I would have to do something. I just would get really frustrated mm-hmm. having that feeling day in, day out, just knowing that I'm capable of more and, and entitled to more. Oh, absolutely. I'm like you. I get bored very quickly. I don't know. I have a high aptitude. I can figure out things quickly. And I'm when I start getting bored, I start getting dangerous. Mm. Why don't I take my boredom and trans- <laughs> right, transition that into a, a market opportunity for myself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's two type of people in this world. Either you're a hammer or you're a nail. Mm. And entrepreneurs are the hammers. The employees are the nails. Mm. Mm. I don't want to be a nail. I want to be a hammer. So now we talked about the greatest mistakes a lot of employees make. Now, what do you see are some of the greatest mistakes your clients and other entrepreneurs are making? Some of the mistakes that I've experienced and also that I've seen other people make is you're fishing in the wrong pool or the wrong pond, rather. Mm, mm. Don't do what everybody else does. Don't fish in the same pond everybody else does because there's something called social Darwinism, Daryl. What that means is, you ever heard of the survival of the fittest Darwin's theory? Yep. Social Darwinism means some businesses will be successful, some businesses will fail. Mm-hmm. Why do those businesses fail? One, and I talk about this in one of the books that I wrote, is market saturation. See, marketing is a really critical, important class. If you go to school and study business, marketing is one of those essential classes that you need to have. Mm. You always have to find opportunities before everybody else does. You want to fish in a different pond. You want to always be a contrarian. And the mistakes that I made was doing what everybody else did and getting the same results they got, which is nothing. And I'm having to rethink, well, do I really want to be an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the issues and one of the things that I made mistakes at and what I see other people do. Try to fish in a smaller pond so you can be the king of that pond. Right. Don't try to fish in the same pond everybody else does because you're not going to win. Right. The odds are against you. 
Right. You're better off to be a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond, because then at least in your pond, you can be the go-to person. And you can build bridges to other ponds once you've built a name for yourself in one. That is a great point. And let's make it real for people in terms of what does that mean? Like as a real example, do you have a real life example of that? Like how do you build a bridge between two ponds? I say ecosystems. I think that's what you're alluding to. Mm -hmm. Take what you're doing and create another pond. Like you always want to do this. I don't just want to business in this thing, if I want to expand, I want to expand to adjacent business that feeds off of that business Mm -hmm. because that'll sustain both businesses. That's why when you kind of look at my background, my consulting work, my writing, and my media appearances, all is part of an ecosystem because they all feed off each other. Mm -hmm. When you have that other pawn that you're trying to acquire, you create an ecosystem. You want things to feed off of each other. Okay. That's the key. If you're a baker, right, maybe you would be good at buying a flower company, right? Mm -hmm. And you'd be good at opening up another bakery. You don't be a guy that's a baker trying to do a plumbing company. Right. Those ecosystems don't correlate to each other. Yeah, so well said. And you might realize that you don't understand the business that you're in. Because every business does have nuances. Like a lot of people think their business is different. And the nuances of satisfying customers are, but the fundamentals of marketing and sales are the fundamentals. But the people you deal with are very different. And the nature of the competitors and the future trends of the industry, those things people don't even necessarily realize. So it can be dangerous to be in too many different niches, too many different verticals. Oh, yes. It's just too much to keep up with. You want to make money doing business? Business is about relationships. Mm. People do business with people they have relationships with. It's not about sales. Mm -hmm. Do you make me feel good doing business with you? If I tell you like the example I gave earlier about the yard man, if I know I can leave a check up on the door and this guy take care of my yard, I'm going to stay with him because, remember, people are loyal to people that they have good relationships with. That's why sometimes it's hard for people to jump ship mm-hmm. because they say, I don't know this guy. Yep. You ever go to see a new brand new restaurant in your neighborhood and you kind of wait say, listen, I know I like the cannolis that this guy makes over here and this guy's doing that, but I don't know that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy hasn't developed a relationship with you. It's the same thing in business. Mm-hmm. Business is about relationships mm-hmm. and Customers are loyal to people that treat them well. I'm not saying you got to roll out the rare carpet, but think of it like this. I tell a guy to cut my grass. I don't have to worry about it. You know why? Because I know I have experience with him and he gets the job done. I don't have to worry about it. Now I got my whole Saturday to go goof off. People want to do business with people they have good relationships with. And when you try to go out here and do business with people, and that's what I had to learn the hard way, Daryl, work on developing the relationship and the business will come. That's what the key is. People do not do business with people that they don't know or they don't have a relationship with. I have to learn a hard way. Yep. Just because I'm Dr. Miles and I'm good at what I do, well, I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. That's how business is built. They don't teach you that in school. Mm-hmm. They teach you find a niche, find a market, go after the market. But there's a key element called relationships. We're all humans, right? Yep. Exactly. No, it's totally it. Totally it. We're social animals. So that's a huge part of everything. I think that was a great tip. That was a great, great tip. Great feedback. People buy when they're ready to buy, not necessarily when you're ready to sell. Uh huh. But that being said, you know, you can play devil's advocate on both sides of this. Because I was going to say on one point, people are afraid to sell. But the reality is, is you, if you're getting started, that's the first thing is to figure out what words, what objections are there? What is the real val- like pain point that people want to have solved in the conversation that will turn into deals made? Once you've gone through that and done 
5, 10, 15, 20 deals, 25 deals, vetted your process, your offer, all that. Now it's about bringing and building the community around that. Like that's where I have some people that want to get into an online, because I do obviously a lot of online stuff. We're doing a podcast, right? And they want to have an online business and they want to get a website and they want to start writing articles and stuff, but they don't even know what they're selling. They don't even really know who their customers are. They're, you know, like, and it's like, let's throw a bunch of bait in the water and then I'll figure out what hook to put on which bait I'm going to use and I'll throw it in next. Like, what are you talking about? Figure out what your hook and bait is first and then. Oh yeah. That's the guy that'll be back on his job with another company in about a month. Yeah. He didn't know how to fish in the right pond. Yeah. And one other thing that you alluded to is they don't, you know, entrepreneurship is a wake up call mm-hmm. and a wake up call is it forces you to go back to basics. And like what I alluded to earlier, case in point, I'll give you a great example about when uh, people think they can go sell and don't have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of something called latent sales or latent sales. I did a book signing for my second book and I had a strategy and this was my marketing strategy. I said, if somebody came up to my table and didn't want to buy a book, what I did was I gave my autograph flyer with the link to my book with my phone number so they could text me and a link to the uh, my email. Excuse me. You probably said, well, well, what does that mean? Well, I was planting the seeds for a latent sale because mm-hmm. the guy remembered I was nice to him and I signed his flyer even though he didn't buy a book. That guy's going to get home and says, hey, you know what? That was a really nice guy. I think I'm going to go ahead and buy his book. And then he might tell 10 other people. Yep. So that's why you, you want to plant that seed. This was my strategy. And this, this it worked for me because I have a best-selling book. The thing was is if you don't want my book right now, you're going to want it later because you remember how I treated you. Remember that I was nice to you. Remember I sat there and talked to you. Mm-hmm. And then when other people see that I signed that, they're going to say, "Who? Well, where'd you get that from? Who is that? Oh, I, I was at a book sign and met a guy. He says, well, can I borrow this? I'm interested in his book. That's what I did. Yep. I tried to build relationships. And they don't, I used to be an account executive, so I had to learn all that, and I transitioned that into my business. It's about building a relationship, setting the stage for the customer to want to do business with you. Mm-hmm. These people don't do business with people that not only solve their problem, people do business with people that they have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the key. Because the people they have a relationship, they feel understand them. Absolutely. And that's a huge piece of that. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that comes from, again, I want someone that understands me, my situation. I just don't want to be put in an uncomfortable place. Some people want to move faster. So you're, if you know someone and like them and trust them, mm-hmm. they know who you are. It's going to make it a smoother. I mean, that's what morals are and social etiquette are. It's just social lubrication. That's Absolutely. All it is. It'll be a smoother process if I go with someone that I know. Piggybacking on that. Some people will pay higher prices to keep the relationship with you because yep. they don't want to go to anybody else. Your pricing might be higher and people will say, look, I've been with this guy 20 years. If I got to pay 10 extra bucks to do business with him because he had to raise his pricing, that's an investment to me. That's not a cost. That's an investment because yep. I know when I call that guy, he cuts my grass. I don't have to worry about it. Yep. Yep. See what I'm saying? That's just a, a evolution of a customer loyalty. Yep. You want your customers to be loyal. You want your customers to fight for you and be an advocate for you. And they bring you new customers. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is the key. So do you ever feel that anything was holding you back in your business career? Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got all kinds of stories. I'll just give you one. Haters. Mm. And you don't know sometimes who they are. Sometimes they don't reveal themselves. There's something my dad taught me, and he used to tell me this. He used to say, in all time, truth reveals itself. 
people reveal their truth to you. Everybody's not happy that you're doing a million dollar deal or you're getting a $300,000 contract for your business and that guy's going to his job every day and his boss is paying him peanuts. Yep. Literally, it's almost like being a cop. Cops like to hang around other cops, right? Entrepreneurs need to hang around other entrepreneurs. When you hang around the mere mortals, they bring you down and they also shame you for what you do. And, mm. you know, it's like, oh, well, you thank you all of that because you got all that money. What? So what? Yep. Don't you know entrepreneurs have better attitudes than employees do? Entrepreneurs just say them a different attitude. Yep. You talking about getting that next promotion. He's talking about closing on a $300,000 contract that he has with the government, and he's getting ready to hire some people. You just screwed yourself out of opportunity because he could have hired you as a subcontractor. Yep. And it comes back to just the like what we were talking about before, the different perspectives. That's even part of it. Yes. You know, if one guy's only avenue to increase his income is to get a bigger handout, uh-huh. and you're out trying to hunt these, you know, you're trying to hunt whales and land multi-year contracts with clients that are six figures, seven figures, or even if not, even if you're just out to make the $1,000 sale, but you can make 10 of those in one month. And meanwhile, you've got, you know, somebody else is just going and hanging out, punching in, punching out of a clock. It's a different mindset. It's just really hard to connect and feel understood. You feel like an island a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm working on a $200 million contract to do business in a foreign country to do some economic development. And when I was talking to one of my colleagues about it, he goes, hey, you need any contractors? I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to need contractors. Well, what do you do? <laughs> he says, well, I do this. I said, well, uh, we'll talk business. Yep. Now, I didn't say that to him to show off. I said that to him because I kind of wanted him to be inspired by what I was doing. But see, he didn't take the mindset of a hater, which is one of the impediments of you being an entrepreneur. You got some people whose outlook on life is wake up and go get a job and, and stay at that job. Yep. I don't know. Life is not linear like that. Life is really jagged. To me, you don't earn your stripes until you get downsized from a job. That's <laughs> when the reality sets in. Yep. When you have somebody tell you you don't have a job anymore, you couldn't have worked any harder, you couldn't have worked any better. You couldn't have kissed more behind. When somebody tells you you don't have a job anymore and you're forced to be an entrepreneur, that's almost the best way to be. Yep, yep. You ever heard that story about the captain that took his uh, he went to this island, they're going to do battle and the men... And they burn the boats. Burn the boat to make the men be motivated. Like, you can't go back. You got to go forward. Yeah, that's that's right. how entrepreneurship is. Once you get the bug, it's hard for you to go back and get a job with an employer. It's right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like moving back in with your parents after you've been living on your own for like 10 years. You, you, you're you not the same person. <laughs> yep. You're used to making money more rapidly instead of getting paid by the hour or by the week or whatever the case may be. Yep. When you start making money, it's hard for you to go back to be that employee that you was. It's, it's almost impossible. So what habits do you feel have helped you and helped some of the most successful entrepreneurs you know on their path to success? What habits? My habit? Uh, well, other people's habits, I would probably say three. One is always have a positive outlook about things. Look at life as a chess move. You're not going to wake up every day and everything's going to go your way. When you deal with the rain, when you beg for the rain because it's hot, you got to deal with the mud. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second is always have your antenna up. Always be looking for new opportunities for you to seize them. We got people that are great entrepreneurs, but they're terrible at looking at opportunities. Mm -hmm. They're terrible at looking at, okay, what if I go into this industry and maybe if I make a billion dollars, I can go pick off another industry. Yep. So always have your antenna up looking for opportunities that fit within your ecosystem. Every opportunity is not going to be for you. 
Right. Like you were saying how people are terrible at looking at opportunities. If I say, hey, give me five bucks and I'll give you $10, you do it. If I go, hey, give me 10 bucks, I'll give you 50 bucks, you'll do it. Hey, give me a hundred bucks, I'll give you 200 bucks, you do it. If I go, hey, give me $50,000, I'll give you $200,000, people suddenly start to hesitate. Oh, yeah. Sometimes (laughs) the cost of pricing, of paying for an agency or paying for a service or paying, even in my own team, there is a tool, we do a lot of different graphic work. We need to edit images a lot, Uh just in the day-to-day of whatever, being on social media and, you know, publishing stuff. And uh, there's a tool my team wanted. And just today, my team was like, oh, well, let's use this one because it's free. And I'm like, like, this is our business. Like, if we just pay, it's like 20 bucks a month. We just pay the $20 a month. We have no restrictions to do what they were. And this is my own staff. They were like, yeah, we'll just like get five free accounts and, you know, we'll just juggle stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? Let's just pay for it and move forward. The cost of fiddling around with five demo accounts is nothing compared. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's nothing. Like, can we just move see, forward? You think like I do. I see it as an expense for me to maintain my business or for me to go get new business. Right. Sometimes you can't be on a cheat. Just pay the damn fee. Yeah. If you pay <laughs> that guy to cut your grass, right? Yep. And it saves you four hours. Isn't it worth it that you can maintain your time and work on your business instead of going out there on Saturday, spending two hours to cut the grass? It's always like this. And it's like with value proposition. Either you save money on time or you save money. You're not going to get both of them. You normally don't have both. Are you willing to save time or money? Because if you save time, you can make money. But if you save money, you spend more time. Yep. Which one is better? Yeah, was it knowledge, money, and time? Those are the three ingredients for any project, and usually you don't have all three. You got one, maybe two. Uh-huh. And so that's where you got to bring somebody else in. And that's where, great, because if you got all the time in the world, but you got no money and knowledge, well, go apprentice under someone. Go be someone's lackey, you know. There you go. go be the errand boy. Figure it out. Have, find someone with the money and the, and the knowledge. If you got the knowledge, but you don't have the money or the time, you know, again, you just figure out which one you got, and then start making deals. It's, it's really sad that we see people that take the employee mindset and go into entrepreneurship because they're setting themselves up for failure. And that is a key element. Well, I'm going to save money by getting a free account. And instead, you just paying for the thing up front because you want to keep your business or streamline a process. You have to have a certain mindset when you're an entrepreneur. You want to manage time and you want to manage resources. Like I was talking to one of my buddies about he scoffed at how much I spent on having my website for my business done. I says, well, I'll tell you what, I could probably go get a little cheap template and put generic stuff up and then uh you know it's, it's a cookie cutter approach i said but how much time did i expend learning instead of me just paying a professional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when i wake up in the morning i want to go to bed at night knowing i've accomplished something i don't want to learn on the job i don't want to learn to be an entrepreneur on the job i want to have some things in place so i'm not having to learn on the fly and you can't some people you just can't get that through their skull yeah. i'm worried about cost versus value yeah that's huge. That's huge. Being able to identify value and finding deals. Absolutely. Wow. I could get that done for only five grand. You know what I mean? I could have, and I'm just making stuff up, but you know, wow, someone could organize an international book tour for me for 10 grand, 16 grand. Mm-hmm. Some people would be like, oh my gosh, it's 16 grand. But if you have like, yeah, but if I go on that international tour, mm-hmm. I can get this, 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 I could land these deals. Geez, one contract, two contracts, however much. And you pay for it already. That's why I always say, don't ever expect an accountant to tell you to go get business. Accountants count business. They don't tell you how to go get new business. That's right. 
Yeah. And we got a lot of people that think like an accountant. Yeah. Oh, well, how much does it cost? It costs what it needs to cost for me to get done what I need to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, what do you feel is the future trends of the industries that you're in? Well, like my industry, like all industries, there's also paradigm shifts. And some of the things I'm seeing is more people are being empowered to do things on their own and hiring an outside consultant. And I still believe that because of what I do in my business, I still will have opportunities to do business it'll just be i just have to figure out a different way to reinvent the business mm. and that's the good thing mm-hmm. because everybody can't do what we do mm-hmm. we we have a certain magic in what we do so one of the keys that you have to look out for for the future is be aware of paradigm shift is in your industry so when you see the paradigm shift you know how to pivot yep. and i'm still and you're still going to be ahead of the game because you were in the industry before there was a paradigm shift so what you have to do is be have the ability to shift your business when there's a paradigm shift. And one of those things is it's getting worse technology. Mm-hmm. You don't may not need as many advisors as you used to have. Maybe if you outsource a guy and tell him just, I'll pay you this little fee a month. You just give me some advice and we'll keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I see is a closer relationship between consultants and subcontractors. Mm. You're going to probably see a lot more subcontractors and you see people sign, signing up big consulting contracts. It's like business is not linear. Okay. There's always going to be shifts in the marketplace. And one of the things that you have to do as entrepreneurs know when to pivot. Mm. When the industry is going this direction, you're going to have to reinvent the business or reinvent your business model. That's right. And the guys that can't do that is going to fall prey to social darkness. Yep. The survival of the fittest didn't work for him, so he went under. Mm. Because mm, mm, mm. evolution hasn't stopped. In some ways, it's just changed shape, so to speak. That's an excellent point, Daryl. Nothing ever stops. Yeah. While you wake up in the morning, things are changing. When you go to bed at night, things are changing. Yeah. Things are not going to stop changing for you. So you have to understand if you know that and you see that, you just have to adjust yourself to be to just uh, take that on as an everyday occurrence. There's always uh, disruptions to the marketplace. Right. You know, they're already talking about there's another company at, in addition to Uber and Lyft. Uh-huh. Where you don't even have to give them any credit card information. They just, they have a running account with you. So when you need a ride, you just use your account and you go get picked up, but they charge a fee every month. Mm, mm. See, now that would disrupt that Uber or cab type of business. Mm-hmm. If I pay a fee every month and I need a ride, most likely the guy's going to get over because what? I pay a monthly fee and I may not even use the amount of rides to justify the fee that I'm paying every month. Right. But some people like to have security or a piece of security. Yeah. So if I call a guy and he's getting a monthly fee for me and I said, I need to go over here on the other side of town, bam, we got you. How does Uber compete against that? Yeah. Yeah. They got to, they got to act fast and they got to respond. They got to keep their head on the swivel. They got to respond. They got to rethink their business model. Reminds me of my favorite quote. My favorite quote, it's a bit of a long quote, but it's still my favorite. Go ahead. Uh, every morning in, every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. Moral of the story is it doesn't matter if you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Oh, I like that. And <laughs> that's how, like, just like we're talking about, that's how it is. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're, you've got the monopoly or you're entering the market. Oh, wow. You know, when the sun comes up, you better be running. And that's it. Oh, I really like that. You, Man, you made my day with that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just so motivating when I read it because I'm like, am I running right now? Am I running right now? Have I run today? Oh, yeah. Have I been running? Oh, absolutely. I'm not running today, you know? And then when you think about that, it just puts things in perspective. You know, whether you're spiritual or religious, it doesn't matter, or, or, or neither. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, our society's built around five days on, two days off, right? Yeah. Five-day work week, two-day weekend. There's a reason for that, right? Before we had companies and, and artificial lights so we could be up at night, that was because we had to work during the day. But you got to play as well. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, it's, it's six and one, right? Five and two, six and one, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even if you go four and three, but you got to pick something and work on it. Mm-hmm. So even when we talk about that employee versus uh, entrepreneur mindset, the employee just like hangs out and waits for the clock to tick, you know, and then goes home. But the entrepreneur is trying to get more from the day, right? I like even for myself, if I've had times where for earlier on in my consulting gig, like doing what I've I, to fulfill and make a very decent monthly income would have been 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. But I was still putting in five days a week. Why? Because I'm trying to accomplish things. And I think that that's a really important lesson. Oh, that it's yes. about the lifestyle. It's about enjoying who you become, how you spend your time, what you're doing, being self-directed, being able to give value to the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's all really empowering. It's just a better way to, to live your life and look at the world. My per- personal opinion. You know, some people will say, well, you got to work harder because you're an entrepreneur. Well, I'm not afraid of hard work. I'm just afraid of hard work for somebody else that's going to lay me off mm-hmm. when I'm no longer valuable to the company. That's right. At least if I'm want to work hard, I'm going to work hard for myself and reap the economic benefits of it. That's such a misnomer though. When people say hard work, define hard work. Like compared to what? Like it's like when people say, oh, life is hard. Like what? Shut up. Compared to what? Life is supposed to be hard. God didn't put you on this earth for everything to be easy. But it is what it is. <laughs> like it is what it is. You can bellyache about it or you can just face it head on and move forward. Like if you just keep your eyes moving forward, you just move forward. Like, yeah, it's like a roller coaster. Like, yeah, it might be scary. Ah, I'm going to scream. But you just keep moving forward. Uh-huh. Like, that's the whole thing. So. Oh, absolutely. And the way my dad was, I don't know if your dad was like this because our parents came from a different generation. They remember they lived through the depression. Mm-hmm. My dad thought it was something wrong with a grown man laid up in a bed till eight o'clock in the morning. Yep. He just didn't. That yep. just bothered yep. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My dad is like, a man shouldn't be laying in the bed till 8 o'clock in the morning yep. unless he worked at night. That's the – and he still you should get up because it doesn't look right. Right. That's the way you got to be an entrepreneur. Yep. You don't get to sleep on your can until 8 o'clock in the morning because that's when business is usually starting, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the early bird is the one that gets the worm. So when you wake up at 8 o'clock, somebody's already ate your lunch and they're moving to the next that's deal. Right. Got to be running. Got to be running. Exactly. People say working hard. I don't know. I think putting in 40-plus hours a week, commuting – to someone's office, you know, adding that in, mm-hmm. jumping up and down when they say jump up and down. I think that's hard work. Mm-hmm. I think putting in the time for yourself. In some ways, I think entrepreneurship isn't as much hard work. It just makes you realize what work really is. I, and, and what I mean by that is some people will go, they clock in, they hang out, and then they leave. And if their boss isn't mad, they did a good day's work. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's all results-based. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, if I can get my four things done in a day, I'm good. I can take the rest of the day off because I've been productive. If I get a productive four hours in, solid four hours in, it's worth an eight. That's an eight-hour day. Oh, right. Now, tell your boss that you did all your work. Can you leave uh, at uh, 12 o'clock? You see what kind of reaction you get. That's right. He's going to try to squeeze every little inch, mm. every little mile that he can get out of you. Then when he get, when he runs you, when he takes years running all those inches and miles out of you, then what does he do? He downsizes you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a nice day. Sorry, we don't have nothing for you. 
I don't know, you familiar with Robert Kiyosaki, the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad? He made an excellent point in one of his books that I read. He said, you know, when you're an employee, you're worried, you're scared all the time because you're worried about making a mistake and you're worried about making a mistake because you're worried about getting fired. Uh-huh. Do you really want to work for somebody worrying about if you want to get fired? So you got to keep that in mind when you, all these people that are advocates of being employees, everybody's an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee or whether you don't work for anybody, because eventually you're going to be an entrepreneur, either it's by compulsion or by choice, one day it's going to be a situation where you don't have a job anymore and you're going to find out that you're always an entrepreneur. You just called yourself an employee. Mm-hmm. You just reframed it as an employee. You're just abdicating your responsibility. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. My dad just retired after 35, 37 years of working or something like that. But, you know, they're at the point where they're exactly like you said. They're kind of waking up to, oh, we, we got to be kind of entrepreneurs. We got to figure out what to do with our house. Are we selling it? Do we rent it? Uh, what are we going to do to make some extra income? We uh-huh. got income from here and here. We got these couple of streams. Where are the other streams that we need going to come from? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I mean, fortunately, in a good country and had a good job and all that sort of stuff but it's mm-hmm. still it's a it's a way like you said one day you're gonna wake up and even if you don't get fired even if you did your good job and you get the gold handshake and you get your little check and it's sent off mm-hmm. you're still gonna wake up and like you said mm-hmm. oh now what i gotta I, oh i've been in business all this time i just only had one customer that's really what it was exactly and again daryl they don't teach this in school no. remember the purpose of school is to prepare you for the workforce they don't prepare you to be an entrepreneur yeah. and i'm i'm like this now i'm a little bit different because now i see the the whole game how it works i rather take five people and if i want to fund a venture i say could i borrow 20 bucks from each of you instead of taking 100 or 200 dollars of my own money and funding a venture because why because i'm building value with the people who i'm asking for the 20 bucks from so i can take my money and put it together and now i'm the key principal in this venture and then i pay them the money back or i'll pay them their equity in it and i keep it moving that's right they don't teach you that in school they teach you in school is now not to get fired how to do a good job interview, yep. how to be a good employee. They don't teach you how to be a good entrepreneur, how to seize opportunities. Yep. It's sad. <laughs> and not and not copy. Plagiarism is it's, it's terrible, but uh-huh. if I go buy, pay McDonald's a million dollars for a franchise and I get a location set up, they're going to go, okay, here's our manual. Come to our headquarters. Let's train you on how to do things exactly how we do it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there's some, there's some big misconstrued, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of misinformation out there. Education is important. You got to be a student your whole life. I don't, I think that's important to say as well no one needs to misunderstand us oh absolutely but it needs to be a self-directed education that leads to an ultimate goal absolutely the college degree for some of us that are educated the college degree is no longer a competitive advantage anymore nope. now you have online universities so this totally devalue the prestige of a college degree so you thinking because you have a college degree in physics or whatever basket weaving you think when you stick your chest out to go apply for a job that guy has 200 other people applying for the same job to have the same credentials you do that's right. So you're going to have to reinvent your models like, well, okay, what do I have that those 20 other people don't have? Not much, buddy. Not much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so well said. So well said. And I, I think this is a really important message. And whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, I think it's important. A lot of things we've said here apply. You may want to re-listen to this interview just because there's some been some really good gems that have come out of it. Things about working a consistent schedule, regardless of what's happening, whether you're making enough money or not. Uh, I know I said I work can work four hours and be done in my day, but the idea is that I'm still putting in that, you know, it could take eight hours to get four productive hours, you know, or not. Or you're done in four hours and you're gone. So we talked about 
a lot of different things about mindset, perspective, how other people will try to influence you and make you a part of their plan when they don't have anything planned for you. You know, they just want your help to build their life and their career and oh, build yeah. their income. And then when you're, you know, hey, thank you, appreciate that. And they wave and see you off. So there's a lot about this about in this call about being independent and self-reliant in a way that I think the world really needs right now because jobs are disappearing. So the ability to just show up and have someone give you money, like you said, it's broken and it's breaking very quickly. AI, chatbots, technology, oh, yes. automation, all this stuff is just really, it's making a huge impact on the world. It's only going to get bigger, better, stronger, faster. So I think that's really important people consider what we got. Now, how, I don't know, what would you recommend anyone that's starting and struggling right now? If anyone's in their business and they're not getting the sales or I don't know, they just have, they're concerned. What would you say? Well, I'll recommend this and I've dealt with this, you know, before. Take an objective view of your business and go, okay, am I fishing in the right pond? Am I fishing in the wrong pond? Mm. Maybe there's a paradigm shift. Maybe there's a new competitor on the horizon. Mm. Maybe the market has changed since I first entered the market. Because I always say this, Daryl, when you have a business, you have to reinvent yourself to the customer every five years Mm -hmm. because people can jump ship. The theory of uh, brand loyalty or customer loyalty, customers are less loyal now than they have ever been because customers have smartphones. Customers don't have to stay with you. You're not, not only are you competing with the local competitors, you're competing with online competitors. And you're also competing with global competitors. So people jump ship at the great best opportunity is for them. And hey, you can't get mad. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to look at your business and go, okay, what am I doing? And am I missing the boat? Are there other markets, sub-market opportunities that I could be pursuing or not pursuing? Because sometimes those markets dry up. And those markets become saturated. So you have to say, okay, maybe I need to look at peripheral markets that would provide me with some more profitability than what I'm already doing. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm, what you have mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. And if anyone here has been listening to the call and they've really resonated with what you've said, where do they go to get in touch or follow or get more information? Sure. They can go to my website, mdicorpventures.com. They can go to amazon.com and you know look at my books or purchase my books. And also they can go to research gate because I, I got some freebies up there. Like if you want, if you're an entrepreneur slash uh, author, I got a, a workshop on how to market your book and tell pretty much how you look at the industry. And I got some freebies up there. You can download for free. It's, you know, no charge. Hmm. And that's pretty much how you can get a hold of me. And I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn. Got it. So what's the URL again? Uh, MDICorpVentures.com. MDICorpVentures.com. You've been so forthcoming, Anthony. I really appreciate your time and coming and sharing with us. I think we covered a lot of really important subjects like building relationships and using them and leveraging them and again taking control of your life and what to do if you're not sure in your business and how to get started or growth strategies you covered a lot of fantastic stuff Thank is there you. anything i didn't ask you that i should have asked you oh i didn't mean to scare him off i think we, i think we'll have to have a reality check part two we should probably call it short therapy for employees <laughs> or burgeoning entrepreneurs <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, we all need therapy to get detox from being an employee. I had to, and I'm quite sure you had to, Daryl. We all need an intervention because you're an entrepreneur. You just don't know it, and you'll find out sooner or later that you're an entrepreneur masquerading mm-hmm. as an employee. That's right. That's such a great way to say it. Well, thank you so much for your time today for coming and sharing and helping myself and my audience. It's a valuable Thank call. you so much. I really enjoyed it. Me too. It's an honor and a pleasure, and I'd love to have you back sometime. Definitely. I'd definitely love to come back. I'll get into contact with you when a new book comes out or chop it up sounds like a plan you've reached the end of our interview now first let me thank you for listening i appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know and now i'd like to ask you a couple of questions first 
What three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.